Hey, welcome, welcome everyone to Catching Foxes. Foxes. <laughs> Everything's fine. Luke. I'm not a huge jerk and a horrible person to be married to and hard to live with. Everything's fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 239, The Legendary 10-Minute Topics Returns. As a reminder, we are live streaming our show every Monday night in our Facebook page. Head on over to facebook.com slash Catching Foxes Podcast at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, because East Coast time is stupid. To become a supporter of the show and get bonus content, early releases, and more, head over to patreon.com slash cf to become a patron today. This episode has chapters, so if a topic bores you, don't leave. Just skip on over to the next topic. It took me freaking forever to plop in all these chapters, so use it. Also, we have a COVID bonus for everyone. Right after the closing music of this show, we have a special interview that Luke did with Mark Pirro of Vagabond Mission. Finally, this episode was sponsored by PolicyGenius.com and CatholicSocial.media. Please, for the love of God, support our sponsors so they will continue to give us that sweet cheddar. Now on to the show. Anything Anything else going on in your life? Uh, oh, man. Let's think. I have loved touching my face. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> Everything's horrible. I should probably close the blinds. <laughs> you should press yourself up against Hopefully. the blinds. Please. I mean, they're like, they're already pretty shut, but. They should be really shy. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's really no, weird. I'm sure it's I fine. Didn't... <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's fine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The good thing is I can't see the chat at all, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I blocked it. All I have is this cute picture of this old lady saying sad. <laughs> I, sad. I re- actually, I really like that you did that. And I also like that uh, it says that. It, actually, I don't like that it says central time. But whatever. That's why I put it on there. Did you see you in the picture, though? Where? No, where am I? Oh, Luke, let's go on a magical journey. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yep, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, you are always with me. Canva just released this thing that said, for all of our pro users, we've heard you. And all of our pro um, graphics and photos are now free. It's included in the account. And I was like, awesome. I use Canva all the time. And then I saw that you had made the post for um, for this tonight. So I was like, I'll make one. And I'm scrolling through and I see this picture of this old woman with the thing saying sad. And I'm like, <laughs> that is horribly appropriate right now. And then I was like, let me see if I have a photo of Luke. And that was the only photo I had already uploaded in my Canva thing. And they do this new thing called uh, remove background. So I removed the background and plopped it right on top of a guy. Oh, that is wonderful. That is, God is here. Yeah. yeah. God is here. God is here God in is this here. chat room tonight. Ah, all right. Um, should I put on a shirt or should I just, you know, no, no. No, okay. no, right. no. This makes my heart very happy. If Aaron doesn't get mad at me. Why would Aaron get mad at you? <laughs> The only people who should get mad at you are your employers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you don't work with the archdiocese. <laughs> um, Anymore. Man, I hope our fans realize what editing this show is like now. Um, the constant having to, if you watch it live versus the edited version, there's like 45 minutes that I cut out. So, uh 
Yeah, I hope you can see that uh, it's freaking exhausting dealing with Luke. Oh, Luke, you put your headphones back on. Whoops. There are times when you've had to edit out like a good 30 minutes to a half hour. We've had like half, like you've only yeah. put up half the show at times. Yeah, a good 30 minutes to half an hour. That's a lot of time. I do think, though, if I can give myself a little bit of credit here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I gave Please you do. the permission to kind of just go all out and like really edit it, when I was like, hey, you know what? I think you, sh- you should actually like, like edit it more. Uh, and it wasn't that you were doing a bad job before, but you got real good. You got, got real good at it. So. Yeah. I got more aggressive. And it's actually something I learned from Ascension Press when they were like, we're, you have to let us go nuts on your show because we will edit so it sounds good, whereas you might edit sparingly because you're, you're like, oh, but this is gold. Oh, but this is gold. It's like editing your baby. And I was like, I'll edit my baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got no problems. Goodbye, baby. No, so uh, I I learned that you in order to tell a coherent story, you gotta you just gotta be brutal with the edits. No, it's it's true, it's true. Yeah, it's really it's really when we do live shows that I had to do that because every time I've listened to a podcast that is a live show, I hate that podcast. Yeah, because you're just like, ugh, like because you want to be there. I'm sure everyone had a great time, but half the time the microphones aren't well. Um, uh, of the audience, they're not mic'd well. And so, like, even if they're dying laughing, you just hear, like, <laughs> and so much is body language and stuff like that. So editing, trying to edit a live show so it's meaningful for non-live listeners, that's where I tried my best and, and really kind of felt that, like, what does it sound like for a listener? So, anywho. That, yeah, that, that's why I'm, I'm not really, to be honest, I, I used to like live podcast, and because the first live podcast I ever heard was Nerdist. And then, um, then that went to hell. Anywho, uh, but then uh, after a while, I was like, "Oh, this really isn't as good." Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, I don't, I don't more, like you it. Know. Yeah. So that's that's why I don't really ever want to release our live shows, just because I think they're because one, I sound drunk. Uh, sound. The St. Louis one was pretty bad. I heard myself. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh," because like what happens is I get nervous, and then people are giving me drinks, and I just drink yeah. very quickly when I'm nervous. Well, not even I'm nervous, just more excited. Yeah. So I do this. I do the same thing when, when I'm when I'm watching a, like a really big sports game or something. I tend to drink very very quickly. Yeah. As uh, journeying with a beautiful child with generalized anxiety disorder, you discover that nervousness and excitement are practically biochemically the same thing, and so it's like I'm scared of you people, or I'm just really happy to be here. And result, same thing. Um, what are you doing to cope with COVID since uh, you and I last talked? Yeah, more alcohol. That's more alcohol. Sorry, I need to remember that uh, we're <laughs> podcast first, video second. Hey, Gilmer, do you know what's scary as hell? Uh... Yes, that and life. And with life, I think, honestly, guys, we talk a lot about being adult. And I think one of the first things in life when you are trying to be an actual adult that you're going to want to do is get life insurance. Wouldn't you agree with me? Or are you stupid? <laughs> Can people tell we're doing an ad for policygenius.com? <laughs> Listen, Luke, look, 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 before we start talking about life and being stupid, there are a lot of things in my past that I'm looking back on that I regret. Number one, I regret not going to Austria with you. I regret how my first relationship at Franciscan ended. Uh, and then the fact that you tried to date her at the same time as our friend Pat and Magny. I regret <laughs> those. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I regret one day seeing you with two 
polo shirts with both collars popped. I regret just seeing that. What about you, Luke? Do you think certain people regret tucking in their tucking in their shirt to the front part of their pants, but then having their shirt like out on the back on the back part? <laughs> Luke, you're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there are some things we can also get right in the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius makes finding the right on life insurance like a breeze in minutes. You can compare quotes from top in top insurers, say that with a speech impediment, to find your best price. You could say $1,500 or more a year. If you're a youth minister, you need to do this right now. That is like a whole month's salary yes. uh, a year But using policy on the genius to compare on life insurance policies. Have you tried out their website, Gilmer? Okay, yes. And the next bullet point we're supposed to hit is what I love about the service the most. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. Here's my Policy Genius story. I was listening to Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey said, go on my website, make sure you got all the important things at your stage in life. So I fill out all my stuff, I hit send, and it says, you need this, this, and this type of insurance. The next day, Policy Genius said, we want to run ads with Catching Foxes. So I went on their website, did all the research for the insurance. All you do is you take a picture of your current documents, and they match it up. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, we're about to have a child, so that terrifies me. <laughs> so I'm checking out different kinds, different kinds of home life insurance. And while I was actually on there on my website, we can also do like insurance for pets and stuff. And I was like, holy crap, that could have saved me a ton of money when my dog's back two legs stopped working for two months. And it's not just life insurance or pet insurance. It's also home, auto, and disability. There's a lot of stuff. So even if you look back on your days of wearing triple denim and you feel nothing but regret, you will never have to be distressed about life insurance with policy. Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get a life insurance right with Policy Genius. A four minute ad. <laughs> Thank you to Policy Genius for, for sponsoring, sponsoring this, this episode of Catching Foxes. That was awesome. That was so funny. I feel good about that, and it should be four minutes long. Do you agree? <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. It is almost <laughs> a 10-minute topic. <laughs> this should be included. <laughs> oh, also, when you t- when, uh, listen, I'm dead serious, everyone. You really should do this. It's actually a very good idea. Yes, and Policy Genius, just to let everyone know, is America's leading online insurance marketplace. Thank you so much, Policy Genius, for sponsoring yeah, this show. Guys. In the middle of all my gigs canceling, I know that you're here with me. <laughs> Policy genius, unlike our children, won't ever let us down. <laughs> I hear to expect that in the long run. So, according to my mom, <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, we're trying to find a routine. Uh, I think I'm allowing myself. This is going to sound very weird, but some introvert time, in the sense that you know, like last last night, I was like, I just need to be alone because I've just been around Aaron or our dogs the whole time, and it's fine. I love my wife. She's great. I'm just, you know, I just like I need a little bit of of alone time. So I'm trying to build that in. Um, I I have hit a point where I've actually gotten nervous about all of this. Yeah, and I really haven't been. Even when all the lockdowns were happening, I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. And I'm starting to hit a point where I'm a little bit more like, oh, what happens if this doesn't really recover? Well, like, what if there's three more of these things, or we have to do this, you know, for like two weeks in you know, August, and then, you know, a week in October, and then three weeks here in, like, January. Like, that's – that actually scares me. So I'm trying to yeah. not worry about that and just focus on the day-to-day thing. Yeah. And say, okay, yeah. you know, uh, let's just worry about – let's just get through today 
and uh, everything will be fine. Ooh, child, everything things, things is going to get easier. No, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, Chris Pratt. Someday. Man, me and my family, let me tell you how we're coping with COVID. Okay, so numero uno, I have stopped drinking. Wuss, 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 <laughs> quitter. Uh, oh, I see you're taking the coward's way out. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, my, uh, me and my wife. How oh. Protestant of you. I know, right? We're such teetotalers. Um, no, me Enjoy and my wife. Enjoy Baptist. Baptists don't acknowledge three things. The Pope is the head of the church. The Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus. And one another in a liquor store. Welcome. <laughs> Now, uh, me and my wife have, uh, me and my wife have done, um, we were drinking like every night, just so, you know, a glass of wine here, uh, uh, six cans of Crook and Market or whatever it's called there. And I realized that, uh, that, that is my coping mechanism by default. It's just who I am. It's what I go to since I turned 21. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm very unhealthy. And so that was my, um, so she has, uh, some issues that she's working on health wise. She just got some blood work back. And so she's doubling down on the diet. And so I'm gonna, I'm going to do it too. And so no more booze, just Topa, Topa Chico. On the carnivore diet? Yeah. Cause the, the diet that her doctor recommends is an anti- inflammatory diet and there's nothing more anti-inflammatory than the yeah, carnivore diet so she's true. just like i'm gonna bring in some brussels sprouts you know three times a week and maybe something like that but other than that we're just going right right hardcore so that and topa chico i'll tell you what i've gotten so damn bored of drinking water oh oh man it's all i drink if i'm not drinking coffee i'm drinking water and so i drink more coffee and now my wife can't have coffee so i'm like all right i'll scale it back but i'm not getting rid of it oh i Oh, oh, man, this is wonderful. Yeah. I know. I know. So do you have any... Uh, so the other thing I've been doing, me and my family, watching so much, uh, so many Marvel movies because it's been raining, mm-hmm. which is driving me insane. And so um, with the kiddos, we've... It, it, like, poured all... Well, I shouldn't say poured, but it rained off and on all weekend. And uh, the moment it would stop raining, I'm like, get on that trampoline! Um, <laughs> but they... Uh, so we watched... Why uh, don't we all jump? <laughs> Just start playing um, Van Halen over and over and over again. <laughs> I was thinking more of Shamrocks and Shenanigans. What is that band called? Uh, House of Pain. Jump. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Back Actually, up, back I played in. that song the other day when I was grilling. Anywho. My my daughter was like, why are you listening to this song? And I was like, you respect us. And just when I said that, he said, and if your girls step up, I'm smacking the hoe. And I was like, you know what? Next song. Oh, it's Jewel. <laughs> um. I love her so much, Jewel. No, but She's, we watch so many Marvel movies. We're now halfway through the catalog. Ant-Man is next because we just finished Age of Ultron. The only movie we did skip was Thor 2, uh, The, the it's, Dark World. It's, it's, I, I have, okay, we'll, we, we'll get to that. Go on. Okay, and so now we just finished Age of Ultron. Man, I got a lot of new thoughts about Age of Ultron. I got a good lot or bad of thoughts. Good thoughts. Interesting Let's thoughts. do it. I like it. I'm, I'm actually, let's, let's do, okay. Well, Ten-minute topic, topic number that. one. Ten-minute topics. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'll be right uh, back. We're gonna. St- All right. No, no, no. You keep talking. You keep talking. I'm, I have my headphones. I gotta fix something. Oh, okay, okay. So, all right, uh, we're gonna do ten-minute um, topics here. Our good friend of the podcast, Daniel, uh, had a great had a great question, and I wanted to add it in there. 
So uh, we already have the we already have the questions, but we might go to the chat. As you guys know, we are live streaming all of our all of our shows, as is everyone now apparently. And uh, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, so yeah, uh, actually, I do have a I do have a thought that I want to. So let me change something really quick here. I'm going to add something. Please be kind. Rewind. All right. <laughs> All right. You just sent right, it so over the robot. There it is. Ten minutes on the topics. Let's go. Let's go with the first one. Let's talk about how our opinions of certain films in the MCU have changed. How have certain films in the MCU changed? The time is ten thirteen. What okay. if we had Jason keep like keep uh keep <laughs> he come in he come in and yell at us? Jason, can you can, come in can and can you yell do at that, us? Jason? Can you just come and be like stop once we hit Yeah, yeah! Is this Okay, awesome. Okay, Jason's gonna yell at us an ethereal voice. Okay, I'm down. I'm down. So uh Marvel things that have changed. Um now I'm only halfway through the catalog and I'll say this. Number one Marvel thing that stayed the same, Iron Man 1, still holds up. So Great good. movie. So good. Starts the paint by numbers of, you know, the whole thing. That, that Ant-Man is literally a redoing of Iron Man. That's cool. And whatever. Love it. Um, I got a lot more out of Age of Ultron 2. I remember me and you talking, and I was like, wow, Age of Ultron is really like the connective tissue of the whole MCU Infinity War when we were talking about it because so much is mentioned so much is set up, but I'll say this. The thing that I got out the most from all the movies is uh, Age of Ultron and the the theological, the explicitly theological element of Ultron. What do you mean by that? I mean, he is, qu- he is quoting scripture left and right. He, uh, you know, he sets up his headquarters in the church in the middle of town because the village elders wanted everyone to be equal to God, equally distant to God. Um, he constantly makes references like, uh, when, uh, he is beating up the, uh, the dude claw or he rips off his arm, right? He is in his, uh, headquarters and he pulls out the liquid vibranium and he goes on this rock. I will build my church. And then he goes through, um, I mean, he makes references to Noah. obviously it's apocalyptic, but there were so many things that he says, that are just not even allusions, but direct quotes from scripture. I would say over a dozen things. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I knew that he did that, but I, I don't think I remember that many, um, that many comments. And then the second thing is the reason why I didn't like age of Ultron is I didn't, didn't understand why an artificial intelligence would be so silly and stupid. Like he's clumsy. He's forgetful. He forgets what children are called, even though we memorized the internet in like a, a second. Um, and I didn't understand that. And now I understand that he is a personality and the personality is fundamentally broken and disturbed. That's why when, you know, Tony Stark gave him the peace in our time initiative, he went in the totally wrong way. And I was like, ah, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So anyway. do you think some of that has to do with the fact that th- the Mind Stone playing a part that they didn't really quite understand, yeah. and the Mind Stone might have had a, a, a tied to a, a Thanos, and so he inherently was going to have. Some, I don't know. If, uh, ooh, so he's corrupting from the beginning worldview. Ah. So he's yeah. So basically, it was on the Thanos who 
corrupted him. Yeah, that's interesting. To the point where he has some, you know, because he has this weird obsession with wanting to destroy the world, but he thinks it's a good thing. Now, I, I don't know. If they, I don't know if they planned it out that that far yeah. in advance. Do yeah. you think that are they trying to bash the idea of God, or are they just no? Uh, or no, no, he's just drawing Joss on Wheaton it. Like is an atheist. An yeah, and atheist. he's an yeah, yeah, but. No, I don't think they did that, which is why I found it so interesting. Like, yes, it's the villain, and yes, he's quoting scripture. So does Tony Stark frequently. Uh, in the comic books, Tony's Catholic, but in the – I don't know if he's practicing. I don't think he's practicing. But um, they throw in elements like he kills Pepper's husband who's on life support when he's at the extremis um, – uh iron man in the comic books and he's praying the our father while he does it as he's pouring out a bottle of jack daniels because he's also an alcoholic and uh i don't know it was just interesting but um i i don't i i didn't take it in a bashing way i took it in the he has a god complex sort of way which is why he's going to you know force evolution stuff i just found it super super duper interesting um and uh i like iron man 2 a lot more than I ever have the Whiplash one because okay. of what's his name Sam Rockwell's character is so so like, good. I thought yeah. he was like okay, yeah. a bit over. I mean, he's hilarious, but a bit over the top when I first, second, third saw it. But this time, I was like, he is so damn enjoyable as this guy yeah. who is defined by only being second best. I mean, have, he's someone that I, I wish they would have done more with him. Yeah, God bless America. I, or, God like, bless Iron Man. Like in the Senate hearing, so far. Yeah, yeah. I so funny that you that you we brought this up. Yeah. Uh, I we started kind of doing that where we watched. I watched the the Avengers again, and it was interesting because I was trying to watch it more for the themes, and I don't know if we talked about this or not because though. If you if you guys don't know, way back when, before way back in the, the year two thousand and seventeen, <laughs> what um, we did a road to Infinity War. Yeah, where, that was, so that was awesome. almost three years ago. Wow, Ugh. wow, that's, wow, wow. That's weird. That's very weird. Okay, so and it was really fun. We 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 watched all the Marvel films in like two weeks, and we basically instead of just saying here's what's cool, we broke down like what are what are the themes of yeah. this? What's the overall if if there is a story being told here throughout all these all these 18 films, what basically is that? And I think we kind of like, I think that we did end it, that, that the overall the, the overall ideas, what does it mean to be a hero? And like, what does that take? And what does it actually look like? Yeah. Um, and so I was watching the Avengers and I've always been, I think I brought this up during that. I don't really remember, but I've always been confused by why, why does Loki talk about freedom? A yeah. lot in the beginning because it's yeah. very now. In hindsight, it makes more sense because he is he's he's obsessed with himself and he wants to be this grand, almost glorious king. We see that yeah. at the end of like Thor of Ragnarok, where he goes, "Your savior is here." Like that's what that was his moment, right? And that's what he he has like a theatrical element to yeah. to him. And uh, I was like, "Well, why did he go on about like freedom a lot? It's just weird." And when I look, and then I started um, to think about it, and I think one of the themes is what is freedom. And if you um, view it in um, the light of John Paul II's line, that it is do, it is, it is um, not the ability to do whatever whatever um, we want, but to have the choice to do what we ought. Yeah. Uh, really interesting because and like I thought I think too. So how I've kind of changed my tune on this, I think two of the big. 
who are the big overall over um all the themes of the of the Avengers is one um isolation and, how, and like how that's bad and uh two is freedom because if you really um, look at all of the characters in the in the very in the very um beginning they're either um not free or they are or they are somehow isolated so you um how like Black Widow, who is you know quite literally tied down to it uh, to yeah, a chair. Yeah. Iron Man does says he doesn't want you know he doesn't um, work well uh, with others. Captain America is isolated alone. Then you have someone. Oh, see, then you have Loki, who is you know basically not you know he's forced to do this stuff now. And like in, they did add this in hindsight that he's now he's actually being controlled by the Mind Stone a bit. During all of this, and I think they're exploring a bit of like what is like what is like almost like what does it mean to be free, you know? So I think that um, I think freedom is in almost every one of the movies. Like if you listen to um, Age of Ultron, you know the the theme again is you know, but they're doomed, and he's like, yeah, but there's grace in their failures, and it's like the idea of it's free, it's it's good to be free, even if we're going to destroy ourselves. And then you have um, in uh, Winter Soldier, which is still phenomenal. I'm excited to watch um, Civil War tomorrow to compare it to Winter Soldier. Still think Winter Soldier is better, but the um, he has this theme, or the the whole thing is Hydra. It's just like Loki. Loki said. Neil, now doesn't that feel so much better? Doesn't that feel so much more natural? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the whole thing of Hydra is we need order and not chaos, and we will bring it. Yeah, with a gun to its head. So I do think those that that theme of freedom more than any other is like, what does it mean to be individually free? What does it mean to be corporately free? And then you, of course, you have the whole fight of civil war over. Because we have these powers, we belong to the government, and the government ought to tell us how to intervene. And then Captain America's side, no, if I see something going south, I have to do something about it, and I'm not going to stop. So I think that I think that keeps going. Oh, Luke, you got a minute. Well, and I, I also think just this idea of are they almost free to make their own choices? You know, are they soldiers? You are you are a almost um, soldier. You sacrifice part of part of your freedom for the greater good. You have to do what the person above you tells them you to do, even if you don't really yeah. agree. Yeah, and I loved. I hate it. Here's my biggest change, probably overall. I hated Ben Kingsley's role as the Mandarin. And I love all the foreshadowing and little stuff that I didn't pick up in Iron Man 3 the last time I watched it. I mean, he literally says, uh, you know, he's he goes through when they do the first bomb at the man's Chinese theater. He has this great line where he's like uh, this and, th- and he's like taking all these analysis that Jarvis is giving him. And he goes, talks like a Baptist preacher. Yeah, this guy's got a flair for the theatrical. And I was like, huh. I didn't even hear that foreshadowing the first, like, 16 times I watched this movie. So <laughs> I, I think they did a, a better job than what I gave it credit for. I still hate the fact that the, the suits exploded at the end. And you go right into Age of Ultron, and they never even address that he has suits. So whatever. Yeah, that was weird. That was a little bit yeah. weird. All right. So, masses are canceled almost everywhere. That's awesome. It's a period of self-quarantine. That's awesome. It's really not. And your parishioners, if, if you work at a parish, which a lot of you do, why did you do that? So your parishioners are going to congregate somewhere. 
and they are already gathering on your parish's Facebook page. Catholic Social Media took, took a look at their subscribing parishes, and here's what they saw. Last week, so this is in real time, last week, 834% rise in people I'm looking at parish Facebook pages. That's insane. 162% increase in how many people those parishes were reaching. That's insane. A 402% increase in people liking, clicking, and sharing content from those parishes. I'm amazed people saw things from parishes that, that, that they wanted to share. That's incredible. You need to be posting and engaging your parishioners online like yesterday. Catholic on social media can help with unbranded, gorgeous posts on the ugly crap that you're putting out there because you don't have enough time to do that. You probably aren't training how to do that, and that's not your fault. So what Catholic on social media can do is help you with unbranded, gorgeous posts that connect to what's going on in the, in the world right now. It will help you keep community alive, help you take prayer requests, and, and serve as your daily post structure on which you can do your live streams, your outreach, and so on. <laughs> this is awesome. Use the code Gomer was wrong. That's Gomer was wrong to get four weeks of free content and the help of a world class team at Catholic social media. Let me just repeat this one more time. Gomer was wrong to get four weeks of free content and the help of a world class team at Catholic social media. Again, one more time for the old people and in the back and God bless you all. You are in our thoughts and prayers. Gomer was wrong to get four weeks of free content and the help of a world-class team at Catholic Social Media. Thank you once again to, to Catholic on the Social Media for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes, which is kind of a cluster, but we're working on it. All right, next one, Franny Parties in Austria. Okay, so as you guys, as everyone is aware, we went to the Franciscan um, University of Steubenville, and if you go there, you have the opportunity to have, experience a life um, changing. I loved it thing where you can go to where you can spend a whole um, semester out in Gaming, Austria. My and biggest it's the regret thing ever. I did not go with. Luke. Yeah, you. My biggest regret. You. My idiot. biggest regret. You idiot. It was all we because of a girl. Group. Yeah. Oh, how did that work out? Well, we broke up horribly. <laughs> oh. Hey, but we st- oh. we stayed together that semester. It was the following semester. Yay, Miguel. Exactly. Man. All right. Man. Uh, man. What what could have been? What could have been? What what, what could have been? Think of all the extra content we would have had for, for this podcast. <laughs> I know. Jeez. I, I failed the podcast listeners man, by not Pat Gomer. Go- yeah. Pat Gomer was the worst. No, uh, I went to Austria in fall of 04. You went in fall of 03. Um, AMDG guys, which is the household that we were in, we go in large groups fall. whenever we go, and we always go yeah. in the fall, at least back like, then. Apparently now people go in the spring, losers. <laughs> yeah. The whole idea was the fall, you had much more travel time, and uh, so you could start your drinking parties early. I don't think so. I think in the fall, you just it was more. it was just kind of like the more of the party group. Uh, well, no, uh, they had, they had, yeah, because they were oftentimes it would be too much snow, um, in the month of January. So we didn't really have to uh, worry about that because in December, you know, you leave in the first week or whatever. So that um, was the okay, big thing. So My wife said that. Yeah. Did we have fun parties in Austria? Uh, I had the party of all parties out, yep. out in Austria, yep. but you go first. Uh, yes. Uh, I belong to a group of people that we gave ourselves the nickname, the army of the absurd. And we went, we fell in love as a group with Salzburg and whenever, and Salzburg was great. Cause it was like a two or th- maybe it was like a three hour train ride and it was yeah, just two, two and a half. Yeah. Th- that actually sounds right. It's, it's the longer. And one. I love Salzburg. 
and every major, probably touristy, but major bar in Salzburg <laughs> that you could walk to in 30 minutes or less, we went to. We had a blast. Um, I, I have I have zero regrets for that. That was incredible. The people that I went with were amazing. Um, and we hit we hit everything. And so, you know, Urs, I shut down Urs oh, every Urs week. so many times. Twice a I week. I think I... Yeah, I think I would have had a good time if I'd gone with your with your. Uh, we had a uh, solid group, people, but I, I like my group too. My group yeah. was great. Um, so we had a party. <laughs> this is legendary. <laughs> called is. Trick or Drink. It was no, for wasn't Halloween. it called Trick or Trink? Like Trink no, is drink in German. No, it was Trick or Drink. Okay. Uh, we weren't that unclever about it. So I think Will <laughs> I thought thought Will of the was. idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the school actually gave people money to buy alcohol, I think, yeah. or something. And so, okay, so here's – now, this is like the I, – I was like – I had such conflicting emotions about this because, like, as much as I love to party, and I love to party, what? I don't like drunkenness. Like, flat yeah. out stumbling you'll, you'll mumbling yeah, yeah yeah i don't like that i just holding on to the floor to keep from falling kind of drunkenness <laughs> puking like everyone's just puking yeah. like making out i don't like any i i but i love a good a rager but i like it like a good catholic you know <laughs> you like a franciscan rager <laughs> yeah oh my god oh my gosh is that dc talk is that dc talk <laughs> There was a man with a tat on his big fat belly. Oh no 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 no, <laughs> sir! Not not like um that song. This one. The other night I met a girl and she looked at me so nice, asked for a date, and she did the thing twice. A couple days later, called up to ask you out. I said it was me. She was me, and she said, and, and, wait. <laughs> Look, just stop. She just said stop. with you. I said with me, and then she said with that. I doubt. I took him to the gutter where where I where I guess, where I guess they grow the olives. Uh-huh. She uh-huh. wore a tiny skirt that reminded uh-huh. me of the ones that I had seen in college. She asked me if I like to smoke it. She was I'm cursing. I'm like a sailor. I asked her where she got it. Where she got her mouth in it, and if she had a tailor. Finally, I walked her to the door to say I goodnight. asked her she where she, I, she got her mouth, and if she had a tailor. Taylor, yes, yeah, because she was like, "Oh, I'm a talking yeah. and cursing." Wait, I, I love a train of thought. From then out, she okay, okay. So I, Look, this is I am walking to the. It's I, a ten minute topic. To the, I walked up to the door for her to, to say goodnight. She said, "I am an apple. Would you care to take a bite?" But um, lately, I'm refusing because I'm looking for a lady. And she slapped me in the face and said, boy, you must be crazy. Different from the wonderful, different from the wonderful. She's that kind of girl. She's that kind of girl. girl. First <laughs> CD my dad ever bought for me, 1994. Okay. My first CD was Ace of Bass and my brother's was Rex and Effect Rump Shaker. My parents had no idea what we were listening to. <laughs> I saw the sign. the sign. shaker. <laughs> okay, tell Trick or Drink. This is the most important story of all time. The school. So we decided to have we decided to have a party where each floor. So you had you had three yeah. floors. Yeah. And then each um, each um, floor would have like a half hour or so, and everyone would go and it was you know Halloween, and each of the rooms would have a theme. They had their own kind of like alcohol and their own and their own and their own um theme. And we started on the bottom floor and went to the and went to the top. So I I remember I don't remember what like Carter and Marty's room like how they had their room, but they were like the last room there. I can remember um, Liz Danick's room. They had they had a Christmas theme room. They were all um, dressed as like um reindeers. 
they start at the bottom and the, the, and they and they um, went their way to the top. Now your boy um Luke wanted to be on the FOP team because he went to Franciscan. <laughs> so I was the like assistant um leader. FOP stands for Festivals of Praise. It's a praise. praise and yeah, it's a huge. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's very dumb. So uh, no, it's very very good. But uh, <laughs> and so I was on the FOP team too. Yeah, so I was the like assistant. Um, <laughs> I, I was the assistant. Um, I was the assistant like leader and Jen Ruth was the main MC. Oh, I was like beautiful. the number two. So it was fun. It was really good. It, it was actually Who like does number I, two work for? I know, exactly. <laughs> Who does number two work for? We're, we're going to get through this together, buddy. <laughs> Love Tom right, so, Okay, so I, so I was crushed. I was going to miss basically two like two like thirds of this whole thing but i'd be there for the last part i I come out of i come out of like meeting i go to the second floor and i see a girl just like on the floor being dragged because she's drunk and just like and i'm like what the fuck like i was just so like mama told me not to come she said this ain't the way to have fun it's like what is this and then i like get upstairs and i see i'm a carter and martin like we're trying to end this right now and it was just everyone was all the girls especially were just hammered like (laughs) hammered and they're all trying to dance with you and they're all like oh what is happening um and like all the guys are a little uncomfortable because they're just like uh, what like it was I mean they were just the girl I've been trying gone. to get with all semester is now desperately trying to get with me and I can't because she's I, drunk yeah I remember and like by get uh, with I mean hang out I remember yeah well like let, let's be clear when we talk about Steubenville hookups we mean that we we, we mean I'm making out yeah. so um with maybe some slight petting or something who knows so pet your dog not your date go on. So anyways, like, I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This is too far. This is not, you know, and we're all like, this isn't good. And what had happened was all the girls and like, I mean, there were like dudes too. It, 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 it like I wasn't just 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 the girls. Instead of no, like but by the time a, you're in October, bit, you've been there for a month and a half. A month, I mean, you have a huge tolerance, you, like, and the dudes have gained a significant amount of body weight by alcohol. So they're I lost fan. weight. No, we our group, our dudes, like they all um, lost weight because we just drank and walked everywhere. Yeah, you walk everywhere, yeah. everywhere. So, anyways, uh, like it's just like I mean, it is like a shit drunken shit show. It is so bad. <laughs> And um, <laughs> shit, drunken shit show. <laughs> Describes my wedding night. Go on. What happened was all of the girls, they they drank and they went to every room and they drank as like, much as they could as as quickly as they could. So in an hour and a half, they all had like ten drinks. Yeah, <laughs> and so, of like of like by the trash can punch. What yeah, a jungle yeah. Juice, of, you, you know, know, of just like you know and. It and so I remember like being at the bar and it's just like it was just like weird, like there was this one girl that we were kind of like hitting it off a bit and I was like oh, I don't know and then I yeah but like like a year later stuff happened but uh, that's a whole <laughs> other story. <laughs> I desperately want to make this happen, but you're in an altered state of consciousness. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm gonna wait a year until you're living right right next to my ex girlfriend from high school. Um, oh man, layers, Luke, layers. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, that was so bad. I felt yeah. like such a jerk. Okay, so again, it's Steubenville, so it wasn't that bad. Everyone, relax. Okay, so I don't, I, um, and we didn't have any crazy parties like that. Like that yeah, was legendary. I think, yeah, that was to the point where it, Franciscan shut down their alcohol cabinet. 
Yeah, yeah. It was like for they all, were like they, they were like, yeah, we're never like they were pretty pissed off about that. I think. Yeah. So, but it was just it just was a great idea gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> Trick or drink. I'll never. I will never. Yeah. I'll never forget coming out of that meeting being like. Oh, oh no! Because it was like was all the girls. It was yeah. It was like all of them, like all the good homeschool girls. Oh, okay. There you go. Thank you, Jason. Oh, this is a great one. I like this one. This is in bold. You, you want to read it? You yeah. don't, you don't have a speech impediment. What? Uh, it's it's so far. Uh, any advice for becoming bolder and overcoming shame in putting yourself out there with new opportunities and new people? What would you tell someone who needs to get over fear of what others will think of their opinions slash creative work? I think that's great. I think this that's is very good. Yeah. Um, this is where I get a little postmodern, I think. Okay. And I, this is where I find the good in uh, postmodernism. Um, do it for yourself. Just be happy that you did it and let that be the important part that like, this is important to me that I do this, that I say this, that this thing really exists. Can I just be happy? I think that's a very good place to start. And then, you know, just being happy that you're putting this out there. So like when we started this podcast, I just wanted, I just wanted to show like ours to exist. There was no, Patreon. I don't know if I had even heard of that yet. There was, you know, it was. It wasn't about. Of course, we wanted ad money, yeah. but um, always. It. It. Uh, I, I just. I. I think we cared more about this just being a thing. Yeah. And it was very important to me that it just exists. We're willing to put all this stuff out there for like for like for that, and then out of that can come this idea of like this is then my gift. And I'm willing to be wrong, but I feel like you, where it comes from a place of wanting to give as a as opposed like selfishness. But I think th- one of the worst things that actually the worst thing that you can do is try to do stuff for other people to acknowledge you. Yeah, the what you seek is the god you worship. If you seek the approval of others for your artwork for your thing. You are going to not create the thing that you should, but the thing you think other people want you to. And that is a very fine line, especially if you're trying to sell and make money, right? That line from Steve Jobs, real artist ship. Um, doesn't just mean real artists actually finish products and get it out there, but that they their stuff is what people like. Um, it is hard to find your own voice. It is extraordinarily difficult to do that. Um so overcoming the things, I'll say this. The, one of the great lessons that I learned from that book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. You know, like, I feel like every time I read a book, there's like one main insight that I pull away from it. And I would say this is like, there will be things that appeal to you that are incredibly hard to do. Those are the things that you should walk towards, especially if you're terrible at them. But because they'll appeal to you because there's something within you that's appealing, like woodworking for me. I don't know how to do anything, but there's some appeal in it, even though I'm terrible at it. And so the idea of walking towards the hard or difficult thing makes you a better person, regardless if you're better at this or that individual thing, because it makes you bolder. It honestly makes you bolder. It makes you more courageous, even if it's something stupid, like all the terrible stuff I have built in my house um, even if it, it's stupid, um, 
it makes you bolder. And when you grow in confidence, what, what was that line from Nietzsche? Joy is feeling your power rise. Now, you can take that, I think, in a more Christian sense of like, you are enjoying doing the things that that are good and delight your heart and you're getting good at them. I think that's good. The danger. Okay. So let me just say, and being bold with others. Cause that was the other, that relational component. I mean, the art of charm, you're not trying to hook up with girls. I think the art of charm is a good podcast for stuff like that. Yeah. But I will say, uh, the best advice I can give you as someone who speaks to other people that maybe I don't agree with them is stop couching your sentences with phrases like, I think, or it's my opinion. Just state the words that start after I think. That's a terrible idea. I think that's a terrible idea. What's the difference? The one is you're, you're couching your arguments to be as gentle as possible. And you need to learn to stop doing that. Humility isn't being this um, uh, shreddable thing, right? Humility is subordinated to truth. And so if you know the truth, but you're too intimidated, that's not humility. That's discouragement. That's cowardness. So learn. One of the things I can tell you is learn how to speak your statements. Not, you know, I've been thinking about like that hemming and hawing makes you sound like you have no strength, like you have nothing to give. Even if you're challenging something and you're afraid of what you're challenging, just state it honestly. And I think yeah. I think um, even if it's not well received, you will be because you'll be coming from a position of strength. There, exactly. There, there is this line that that I love. I think I heard it on the uh, Art of Charm, where they said, uh, "Your hesitation is her reservation." Ooh. So this idea that if you're at a bar and you're like you're hesitant to go and go and talk to this girl, she's going to pick that up and you're like screwed and it's yep. like done, you know. And so, and that's actually really, really true. That it's more about the act of doing it yeah. than it is like uh, again. This might feel a little bit postmodern, but I do think there's some truth to it. And I think like and I think you, you actually experience this in a lot of in a lot of christianity the uh, all of the saints constantly talk about action yeah action 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 and Take action do stuff move yeah exactly uh, if you want signs uh, uh, signs of the father it is movement 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 oh and repose uh which is from one of the wrong not true gospels. Yeah, it's from the Gospel of Thomas. But whatever, yeah. it's, it's a great line. It's a great no. I think it's. Got if you ask me for the sign of the Father, I will tell you this: movement, 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 and repose. It is repose. beautiful. I love that line and repose. Okay, so anyways, um, the just doing it that yeah. yeah that is the victory, and then you have to be. That's where you have to be detached from the outcome. And, the, you know, so I would say, like, the important, like, honestly, one of the best things I think any dude who, you know, obviously it's kind of hard to do this right right now, just call the girl. Just ask her out. Even if, she's, even if she says even if she says no, the important thing is that you did it. Yeah. That's what matters, that you did something. Yeah. And there's a reason why people say things, people that actually accomplish stuff say things like showing up is nine-tenths of the victory, right? Like showing up. Being there, doing the thing, doing the difficult thing, not doing the thing that you know you're always going to win. So I had a guy reach out to me who's a listener to the show, but he also is an editor of a 
online news opinion uh, article website. Um, it's it's a whole bunch of different things. It's like conservative religious views. So it's like Jews and evangelicals and Catholics and Orthodox. And he's trying to bring a more evangelical, evangelistic fervor to it instead of just people complaining at the culture wars and stuff. And uh, he said, would you want to do this? And I remember thinking about it, and I'm like, I am terrified of, of writing. I'm not a good writer. But I'm going to say yes to this because, one, I need the money. Two, I really do feel like this is the next step for me. Like learning how to be a better writer is the next step for me because I find it difficult and challenging but necessary for what I want to do. And it appeals to me. Like I want to write more. It appeals to me. So I said yes to the guy. Now I have this outside uh, scaffolding to help me do the difficult thing, namely deadlines and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if you can figure out how to walk towards the difficult thing, um, even, even embarrassing things, um, what is the line from Jerry Maguire? That's how you become great. You put your balls out there, (laughs) but that's also how you get castrated. Yeah. But there's greatness in it. There, yeah. The critic is not the one who matters. It's the man in the arena. Old yeah. Teddy Roosevelt yeah. said that. Oh, well, and then, Teddy you know, Roosevelt. that I always uh, think it kind of ties into that line from, I think it's St. Elmo Mother Teresa, where she says it, it like, is like faithfulness that, um, that, uh, that like matters, not um, success. A success. Yeah. I think that that's a really good good example of that. like you're going to be I'm a faithful to your calling of like you know God has given you this the, he's put this he's put this um, desire on your heart yeah. be faithful to it like put yourself out there and listen we get like like we've put ourselves out there a ton it's scary and it is uncomfortable and I have felt like sometimes you feel our, like a frayed nerve <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the way like, people treat you yeah some of our like best episodes i have felt terrible and gross after we recorded it doesn't didn't feel good i didn't feel this like oh this is great there are times where that has happened but it's always yeah. been like more like like the after effect where i go you know what in hindsight we did it yeah. and then also i think when you do um have a when you do have like success when it when it does go well you need to like take some time to go okay this is good then like then move on because it's easy to then stay and and get stuck so like i don't listen to a, a lot of our past episodes i don't go back and go oh this is great this is you know i because i enjoy them in the moment and then i have to i have to move on or i'm going to get stuck yeah hey luke can i ask you a question yeah What is one book or comic book you wish Hollywood would make into a movie, a good and accurate movie? Um, ooh, okay, so I don't know a lot of comic books. So I'm gonna no sk- book. What book? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, was, I, was just, I was just, I was just saying. Well, I got no time. I got no patience. I'm sorry, um, babe. Oh, it's a good question. What good book? Um, they did Blue Like Jazz, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was, it was okay. Um. Why don't you go? And I'm gonna. I'm going to think about this for a bit. Yeah. You, Jesus if, if, of Nazareth by one. Pope Benedict. Um, <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. No, I would say it would be the Centurion, my uh, science fiction series that I love. The Centurion is the is the first of what they call season one. They're now in season two. Um, that would be number one. The author, one of the two authors, agreed to come on our show, maybe for a B side. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, or the other one being uh, my other science fiction series that I love, uh, which is called uh, Expeditionary Force. So Craig Allenson and Jason and Spock. Um, I love those books. And I like as I'm reading them, I'm seeing them as a movie. The Expeditionary Force is really funny, um, whereas the Centurion is not. But the Centurion is much more um, like Navy SEALs in outer space, oorah kind of stuff, which I could see being a cool action movie. Yeah, I, those would be my two go-tos because I love action movies. I love them to death. I don't need anything thoughtful with subtitles. Give me mindless <laughs> shooting guns <laughs> with themes. Explosions. <laughs> <laughs> the theme is the friends came together at the end. <laughs> the um, theme is friendship. I, <laughs> I would like to see The Devil and the White City by by Eric Larson. It's about uh, the Great World's Fair that was in Chicago. And there was a huge serial killer there who did a lot of horrible stuff. And kind of how those two things overlapped. Are you sure it was uh, in Chicago and it wasn't in Flushing, New York? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's right. That was the Stark World Fair. <laughs> I was like, that's in Flushing. That's where Captain America became. The th- and that's where in Iron Man 2, he comes back. And no one cared in my family. My six-year-old didn't care. My four-year-old didn't care. My I don't wife know who didn't care. No, she was taking notes. <laughs> she was like, hmm, oh, good flushing. point. Okay. She's like, note to self. Divorce, go. So, Devil in the White City. I, I, <laughs> how dare you? I've seen that in the airport bookstore. That's always it's one of great. those books. It's great. It's, yes, it's one of those books. What, what, like, great. give me a for instance of a horrible thing that the serial killer did. Uh, basically, he would like seduce um women, and he basically built a murder house and did a lot, like a murder house mansion. Did a lot of horrible things in there. Where does he and, get his uh, money? He was a pharmacist and like a, I mean, this is still in the time when there's not real science. Yeah. So you're just able to be like, yes, this cures all of your ailments, all of them. And now you're dead. <laughs> it tastes like Dr. Pepper. And at, at that time you had, this is just what's, what's so interesting about this. So in America at that time, everyone's moving into the cities, right? Yeah. So you'd have all these women going there and like no one knows. And so like all of a sudden you just have people back home and going, hey, we haven't, we haven't heard from Molly. Where's Molly? And then it just, you know, they would have a cop who maybe would do like a little bit of stuff here and there. Wow. But there wasn't a lot that they could do because there were just, t- there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of um, people just like pouring into these cities. Mur- okay. So- now describe Murder House. Is this like a, like a straight up horror movie, Saw 7 kind of like? Um, or it's just he no, would take them there and then he would kill them? It's more like he had a room, he had a place where he would like burn the women or he would kill them and then burn them alive or something so he like not like a, it wasn't a torture place per okay. se it was just here's a place he built areas where he could kill people like it was clear he built and the dispose house of the bodies yeah like okay. so it you know it like it wasn't like he started doing bad stuff in his house he built a house to do bad stuff oh that's gross yeah like this gross. like and he basically um says and you know in like in the beginning of the book they've, they've got a quote um, that where the, the guy's like, the, 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 I, I think he says that the devil's always been inside me. Like, this has just always been a thing. Yike. Yikes. So, yep. Terrifying, right? The, the other book would be, uh, I, I just thought of this, The Great Divorce. I just went through that the other day. I love that book. It is so Could powerful. you do a movie out of, out of it's, I, I agree. It would be, it that? would be, to me, I feel like it would be an eight episode Netflix special. You know, like each episode is a different conversation that 
the man has. I need to reread it. I, I love it. I mean, it is so insightful. It's so powerful. It's funny. Um, yeah, and the last chapter, I think I said this before, the last chapter where George McDonald comes out to talk to C.S. Lewis and talks about, because George McDonald was a universalist, and uh, they have this conversation that is just incredible. And I just, I listened to it probably, I have it on Audible. Um, I listened to it probably six times uh, while I was going for my COVID quarantine walks, just over and over again, being like, this is an answer I need to like tattoo on my heart. So um, I would love, I would love to see, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, like a Netflix short series where, you know, one hour for one conversation. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Nice. Um, Can I tell you a thing? Yeah. I've started to listen to podcasts at double speed. Excellent. I heard a person say, you just have to do it, and it'll, it'll start to like yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I have, and it's like, okay. for the mo- There's a few times yeah. where I go back to here, you know, because I'm like, oh, it's really when you can tell they didn't. So our podcast with um, would probably be horrible, but when they don't enunciate their words, it and if it's on, on double speed, it's harder to, to make out what's being said. I have never listened to our podcast any slower than 1.75 speed. I edit in double speed. And then when I listen to it, like the other day, I was um, redoing the inside of my closet, woodworking. I've failed three times. Um, I, uh, I was listening. The show came up in my catalog, and it came up, and I just let it roll in almost double speed. It's like one tick south of double speed. But I can't stand to hear me or you in regular speed. I think we sound drunk <laughs> all the time. I can't stand it. Bishop Barron? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Every time I watch a Facebook mass video with Bishop Barron, I'm like, God, how can I speed this puppy up? Let's make this a 15-minute <laughs> mass instead of a 30-minute. 15-minute oh, masses are, are the best. All right. <laughs> uh, I think we're good with that um, topic, which, which I want to actually bring up. Uh, I, I added uh, this one at the end. So last week I had a little bit of what we'd call a Luke. So we are starting over again. I had a, I had a bit of what we call a Luke meltdown. Yes. That was fun. You mean your rant at the beginning? Okay. Yeah, yeah. there was too much stuff. Oh, my okay. gosh. And then I heard a podcast from our good friends over at Catholic Stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my yeah. gosh. This is it. This is it. And I forget the, I forget the name of the podcast. I'll find it. But it, was, I'll find it. it was the one about, um, like, I'm a love sings or something. Yeah. And so then uh, I was like, oh, wow. And it was like they basically talked about how too much stuff actually just like we encounter God with our senses. Right. And because we have um, sensory overload now, it actually hurts our ability to see, hear God. We have crap beauty and all and all this others, uh, all this others, other stuff. And I was like, that's it. That's the problem with all of this. And I know we're doing a live stream, and I'm glad that we are doing that. And I know that we have a podcast, and I'm glad that we are doing that. But I had one of my moments where I was like, I want to quit. I want to stop. This needs to end. I don't want to be a part of this. I had a tweet where I ex- where I expressed this, which is always a great place for me to do that under the Catching Foxes handle. Always. Always. <laughs> always the best. Where I'm like, I want to speak for Gomer here. Um, <laughs> only the lover sings episode four twenty seven. Only yeah, only the lover sings. It was so it was so so good. And then they had an episode called bacterial 
scrupulosity. Yeah. Where I think Father John hit hit on it again, where he was saying like, um, the church can't be digital. It's not possible for the church to be on, on like online. Yeah, and I I. I just want to say this. I feel I, I have had to really take a hard look at myself and go, I just can't. So I I got rid of my Twitter account. Who knows if I'll be back to it or not? I basically have uh, I have like one month before it goes bye bye. Oh right. But I have but I have I have deactivated that. I'm probably going to get rid of my Facebook account um, for a bit, which is I, I know it's hard to actually get get rid of these things. I closed down the Instagram page for a bit. I need to take myself out of the digital, out of that world. It's too much. And I found it to be so nice. Mm, okay. I think my concern is, is that there are too many live stream, all the masses, too many live stream podcasts, too many, there's too many Instagram lives. There's too much. And we, what this is actually going to do is we're just like putting a drug into our veins. There's a song by um, Five Art Frenzy that I love called Into Your Veins. And the whole thing is about, and I never really got it at at, at, at first, but it's about people who would treat their bands, really, and by people, I mean Christians, uh, who treat their band like, oh, I'm like a drug. I, I I'm need this to feel good. Stick these words in to my veins, I need to hear you say this so I so I feel good. Which then, as an artist, really sucks because then that makes you feel like you can't create other stuff. Yeah, and people will um, lose their yeah. mind when you don't create the drug that they want. Yeah, and my concern, which is, is why, as an artist, you can't create necessarily for others. You have to create, in a sense, for yourself. Yeah, yeah, and it. Um, and my concern was, and this is, and I was being hyperbolic, and I was probably. Over like reacting, but I really was. I really was overwhelmed and very because again, I'm the one who's online. All of our stuff. I, I try to be active. Yeah. I'm like, this is too much. I can't. Like, I was honestly having like a, a nervous breakdown because of it. Other than the crunch and pints with Aquinas, does our Catching Foxes account follow any other podcasts? And if so, oh yeah, why would yeah it? yeah delete all of that <laughs> no but it's just more like it was just. I mean, and these are like. I mean, I've done stuff. I did stuff for the Archdiocese. It's just. Everyone is doing stuff. I was like, "This is too much." Like all the online conferences, guys, stop! Can and we let me just tell you, stop? let me tell you, stop. The best thing for my family after after talking about that with you, the best thing for my family could was Palm Sunday Mass because it's the most interactive gospel. So I stood up at the front. Uh, I was the voice of Jesus. My wife and her beautiful voice was the narrator. Oh, that's cool. My oh. daughter Cecilia was the crowd, and my daughter Kateri was speaker. I'm proud of you. Good and job. We did a liturgy of the word. When you use the, um, my uh, my coworker Mary Beatty created this awesome handout for everyone to follow Palm Sunday liturgy. You know, and follow it along the streaming, but it's the full like <laughs> it's all the all the readings and the prayers and all that stuff. And so we had um, Brian Jones, the lowly coordinator of liturgy at our parish, sent us uh, – he's not a director or anything. Don't worry about <laughs> it. But he sent us the like the prayers of the faithful and all that stuff. And it was awesome praying that as a family and detaching from the need for a screen. While I think all of that stuff, especially live streaming your home parish, is uh, – There is value to it. There's value to yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's – 
there's attachment to it that makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it also, just like you said, it can be super crippling because our faith, the whole point of bacterial scrupulosity, about 23 minutes in. Um, Father John went off and I loved it. I love that man. Father John went off. He goes, I'm going to make do a rant. It's going to be awful. You're just going to have to deal with it. Like, Given to your catching fox's side. Given. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Oh, I see. Your hate has made you strong. Um, Strike but he, me down. <laughs> do it. Um, but he did this awesome rant 23 minutes in against oh, the digital church. Good. And the whole idea of the digital church as a non-sacramental, non-liturgical church was powerful because he says, you can't just take what we do and put it on a camera. It's not possible. And it, and that's absolutely true. And you can't make people feel like that's what you're doing. But he couched his terms. He said, I think it is okay for people to use it and for people to do it. He said, but it would be better for many people most of the time. And I think that's the proper nuance. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Who yeah, yeah. don't, who, for many people most of the time, should be praying the liturgy of the word on your own and do a spiritual communion. And Aaron really walked me off of that alleged. Sorry, I just cut. Yeah, no, that's a, and I was just going to end it by saying that's what me and my family have been doing. Not since I heard that podcast, but Father Father David Hutch shared that with me, and he just said we have to find another way. We can't just do the live streaming of everything. Like take all the real and because here's the other thing, Luke, and this is something that me and you talked about. There are some forms of online stuff that is native. To the digital world. We need to double down on that stuff. We need to double down on the stuff that belongs in the digital world. And we need to double down on the real stuff. See, I don't know if we need to double down on it. I, I, I mean, as a church, I don't mean like we just need to create more podcasts. I mean, I don't, there are content. There is content. Because it's not like our show plus Pints with Aquinas and Catching Foxes or uh, uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know is reaching everybody. There is stuff oh, it, that's it made could if everyone the, would just stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If everyone else would just stop, we would have no recourse but to listen to us and our sweet, sweet Patreon ad. Go to Policy unlike Genius. this, unlike this one guy who said, and I quote: "Hold on a second, please. Hold on a second, please. Hold on a second, please." Misbegotten sense. This is our newest review. Misbegotten sense of millenni- of millennial mass masculine authenticity in quotes covering for the forced swearing and a too apparent undertone of glee and then in parentheses like frad at the prospect of patreon funding and vanity over an online presence good lord (laughs) i know isn't that awesome man keyboard crusaders you just keep coming guys i can't wait to put that on a mug okay so um but, like, the, the point, though, is... Um, Patreon.com slash CF. Like, okay, so we were going to do, like, coffee with, with um, Catching Foxes. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. I honestly think it's too much. And I, I'm torn. Like, I honestly... Aaron walked me off of um, this ledge. I was like... I honestly felt like we may have to stop. Like, we had a moral obligation to possibly stop because it was getting to be too much. And I said, well, we'll just pick this up once the, you know, pandemic is done. But this is like this is getting ridiculous. And I feel disgusting being a part of it. I really felt gross. And um, Aaron was like, well, that's great. 
we have a baby coming, and this is income, and this is part of your job, and there are lives are being changed because of this. And I was like, good point. So what I've done is I have like pulled myself out of out of it a bit, and I do wonder if we should maybe not do some of the stuff that we have um, talked about because I'm like, this is just like there's other stuff that, that like people can do besides watch stuff online. It's going to it is going to do more harm th- than good. And it could have just been that in the beginning we just had this huge over like overflow of stuff and it's you know died down now. But if it stays the pace that it's been at for the past two weeks, I honestly think it, it could hurt the church. It could hurt people more um because well, it's I mean, just, God, God, it's just consumption. Yes, we are it's like it's tuberculosis. We are yes, we have it's a sticking the anima the technique amavacua into like like veins under the disguise of God. And I'm like, this is so dangerous. It's da- it pulls you out of reality. It's not real. What is real is you know your like vocation. What is real is your family, your kids. The you know, and I get it. This sucks. This sucks. This fucking sucks. I get it. This is awful. We just have to endure it the best we can. If you can't cancel catching foxes before you cancel your own Netflix account, I will never speak to you again. <laughs> I will never speak to you again. No, no, and and like I wasn't really going to do it. Tweet and you cancel us, and you send out one tweet. I will never speak to you again. <laughs> Don't you dare that, take away no, this from no, me. No, no, but that no, no but that's but like, the reoccurring theme in the in the book, The Hack. It's the reoccurring theme of of all this stuff is we're churning out content. Well, someone who else is going to say all these words? You know. And I, but it's terrifying. Let me let me come at you from this perspective. Not really come at you because I agree with everything you said. And I, no, but I like I'm not. I want to be clear. I, I'm not going to cancel or anything. I just yeah. this is just what I was. No, I know. Aaron talked process. to you off that ledge. Good job, girl. <laughs> Good job, girl. Uh, thank God for that baby. Um, we're going to change the name to your daughter's name. Um, the so I am not consume. I'm not where you are. There's no ledge for me. I'm not consuming because I, I don't feel like I'm on a ledge because I'm not consuming all the stuff that you're consuming. I'm not binging anything except Parks and Rec with my wife. And by binging, we watch two, maybe three shows if the kids go to bed early on trumped up charges. I am not, you know, me and my wife have a better prayer life. Me and my kids have a better prayer life because of the live streaming masses kind of forced us into, oh, well, let's see what's out there to then actually. This is the perfect avenue. Now we established a rhythm, not just of live streaming masses, which we haven't done at all. I think we stopped probably on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday of last week. But we are just praying together a lot more. And we pray together every day. But now we're praying in the mornings. We're organizing our day around, you know, the liturgy. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, within our house. Um, I'm praying morning prayer. Um, and my sons have joined me, even though they don't understand anything. Um and it's a Psalm 24, which is one of the morning prayer psalms, was trending globally on Twitter today. Uh, it has been so unique and interesting. I don't feel what you feel because I'm not saturating that. Now, there is stuff that I am saturating myself on. Uh, I have watched so much YouTube. I, I mean, like, I just get sick of it. Um, but the YouTube videos I'm watching are all home improvement stuff. And... 
I am now that's doing. How you justify it? Yeah. I, well, I'm not spending any money. Well, yeah. Okay, that's not entirely true. I did spend a bunch of money earlier, but uh, I am doing <laughs> I did the thousand dollars on Clash of Clans. Go on. <laughs> no, I am doing the things that me and my wife have talked about doing, and I feel really good. Like I have to work remotely, yeah. so at eight o'clock I plow through my morning emails, do a bunch of stuff, take a break at nine with my family, come back at nine forty-five or whatever. Go till noon, take an hour and a half with my family because it's just a, such a weird time, you know? Yeah. Um, but the amazing thing is I'm not in that overconsumption of Catholic stuff, so I'm happy I can dip in when I need to. But how I've dipped in is I listened to four lectures of Archbishop or uh, Bishop, uh, what is his name? Theologian, Anglican, N.T. Wright. I've listened to so much of his theology lectures, I'm like, I feel good about my life choices. I'm an so. Anglican. Yeah, sorry, Rome. <laughs> it's it's not like I'm watching all this stuff. It's more of just like yeah. there's so much of it out there. Yeah, but and the so funny I'm thing is, like you bits point, and pieces of it. You you sorry. pointed out so many people aren't listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of our friends have had numbers, big dips yeah. in numbers, and it's funny because until I started working on uh, renovating my closet, and I had to do a lot of like demo, you know, like smashing stuff and then hammering stuff, I had these uh, noise canceling or not you're just uh construction they're not headphones. as sweet as my as like the noise i'm canceling headphones that i have mm, those precious precious they're not noise canceling <laughs> they are just suck on your head <laughs> creating a vacuum type headphones with bluetooth so i listened to all these podcasts and i was like finally i've made it through half my podcast i haven't listened to any of them and so I do think, I mean, we are seeing numbers, like, drop across the board. But um, I just really feel like, uh, like I, I feel like you hit a, a really good thing. I thought it was very providential that um, the Catholic sub. So you recommended it. I went and listened to that and bacterial scrupulosity. And it, it's um, fitting so well with, like, it was a much better way of saying what I was going through at that yeah, moment. You know? Yeah, and it, it was great because he just basically says, there's so much that is out there, it's killing our ability to feel. When you can watch something and immediately drum up specific feelings, like like overindulging in pornography kills your libido, overindulging in just stuff kills your ability to feel and to know authentically. And I, I mean, that's the whole premise of the book, um, Anesthetic Society. Like, we we are dulling ourselves. So, anyhow, that's been yeah. fifteen and minutes. Yeah, but it's no, it's it's it was really good for me just to take us just to get out of it because it was making me like, and it's hard because it's all my friends, like it's it's people that I love. It's I mean you know like all, and I, I'm not saying priests sh- they shouldn't stream math. And again, I'm more tapped into it than like other people are. So I'm you know, like I'm like friends with you know hundreds of priests on Facebook. So I'm getting all these live masses on my feed, you know, or on his, you know, and stuff where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much. Um, this is so anyways, yeah. Uh I feel like there's one more thing I was gonna add to that, but I f- forget. So I have to go to the bathroom due to the Topa Chico consumption. Um All right. but the Luke, conferences real quick. Th- the conferences do need to stop though, right? Can we both admit like the online conferences I, they need I'll, to stop? I'll tell you one of the reasons why they're going strong is because uh all these speakers, I mean, there are so many Catholic speakers who are full time no, speakers. I get it. No, 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 no. But they're all looking for something to do because they're terrified they're out of a job but they don't have an unemployment that they're paying into they're just gone half of them are their own nonprofits. nonprofits in most states do not pay into unemployment so this cares act 
a lot of those funds won't even be available if you apply today, which in my parish I think has. Um, it won't even be funds won't even be available probably until June. So a lot of people are terrified and they're like, I got to keep my name out there. I got to figure out a way to generate income. And plus you also have, and I'll just end it here. And then Luca, you can answer one of the questions while I run. There are a lot of things I've been wanting to do that this has forced me to do. I've been wanting to do this, a live stream of our show. And we've talked about it for pretty much three years. Yeah. But yeah. this is, this is kind of forced the issue. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people now are doing this. So. Yeah, that's my thing. That's my thing. And I feel like a lot of people are going to set up online classes and do a lot of that stuff because you can't do it the other way. So, and I don't I, know. I, it's not that it's bad. It's just right, like, right, right, right. It's not the, it just shouldn't be how it, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. We're a sacramental church. We're a it's church going about to, being what I'm in saying, person. It's going to do some damage. And I just want people to understand that, that there is a risk involved with that. And there is, it is going to hurt some people's walk with, walk Oh, with the Lord, because it's not going to be real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's you all. Do, okay. So, Luke, do you, you're you looking through the questions. Why don't you answer yep. one of the more innocuous ones, and then I'll jump back. But I have to pee right. so bad. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to do one. Anything about the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, so here's the thing about the Smashing Pumpkins that you need to understand. Generation X, we forget about this. And I... I remembered it when I, me and my wife saw that the Smashing Pumpkins were, they got back together. I think it was a whole band, but did include the basses of um, Darcy, which was a bummer. I think her and Billy um, Corgan don't really talk anymore. So, but um, they had James E, and that's all that really matters. Um, they did a concert in Chicago, like maybe two years ago, and me and my wife, we watched the first 20 minutes. And I forgot how angsty. Generation X is, especially about themselves, their parents, and their childhood. Uh, especially like right, like like ten to like twelve or thirteen or so, right before full on adolescence hits. But after when you're like a kid, uh, like after being a child, uh, it they're filled with such angst. It's kind of exhausting. And it's like, oh, that's right, you guys are. Holy crap, you really have issues with your parents. Okay, uh, like so many issues. With, and they don't like, it's not like a boomer, a millennial th- thing. It's not like a generational, it's not, it's not this generational pointing the finger at each, at, at each, each, each other. It's, it's just it's like, I'm hurt because of you. Um, but especially Pumpkins, though, if you listen to Melancholy and the Infinite of Sadness, holy cow. Holy, holy cow. Holy cow. So good. One of the, the best double album ever, I would say. Um, the first the first almost song on it is just a piano. And it's just one of the most beautiful. I love it. I love it. It's one of the greatest albums ever. Stop what you're doing. Go and, and listen to the very first song on 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 on, on the melancholy and the and the infinite sadness. It's incredible. And one of our fans on Twitter said, every time we mention a song, mostly you, obviously, every time we mention a song, he stops the podcast right where we're at and then listens to the song and then resumes the podcast. And I was like, that is the most immersive way to listen to a podcast. And he's like, it's so awesome. Oh, that's all. Yeah. So go. It's the first song. It's just an it's just what is it called? instrumental oh, yeah, yeah. piano track. It's yeah. so Oh, that oh, man, I love a melancholy dun, 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 sadness. Dun, 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 dun. Love it, love dun. it. And then I think there's I like play that a for my kids every. Oboe, so it's beautiful. I I, I I can remember 
Um, okay, actually, here's the thing for 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 you. Yeah. Are, are you ready to have have your have your mind blown? Yes. And I, I, I want to hear your take on my take of of this. My hot take on your thoroughly prepared take. Go. So Tommy Boy is 25 years old. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? That is. 25 years old. So that's that's terrifying on a, on hey, a lot of son, levels. Hey, son, quit playing with your dinging. <laughs> your dinging. <laughs> Tommy Boy is 25. Oh, man. 25. Iron Man 1 is 12, I think, right? 2008. Iron Man's one's balls are about to drop. It's just growing up. Okay, so don't ever no comment, <laughs> no comment because you know what my wife is doing to my dog, my beautiful seven month old puppy tomorrow chop, chop, morning. Chop chop chop. Ugh, I'm so Poor glad dog. I sent you that picture of my dog's I know. testicles, <laughs> dog's tiny balls. Whoopsie! Like, why? <laughs> like why? Just, I don't even tiny. See those this. are huge. Uh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, they're so small, right? Oh, gosh. Okay, so, uh, anyways. All right. So, for people our age, older millennials born in the early, like, 80s who have all of the traits of a, you know, millennial without any of the cults, like, relevancy. Okay, so I think probably the first big comedy that's kind of uh, kind of unlike that that we all like um, really love yeah. was Wayne's World. Yeah. That formed all of I th- a whole bunch of our comedic like what we find funny. I think of so many jokes from Wayne's World. That generation of Saturday Night Live. So for me it was Wayne's World 1, Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, Wayne's World 2, Happy Gilmore, Gilmore Tommy Boy and Black Tommy Sheep. Boy Black, uh, I would throw in for uh, me and me and like me and Emily loved a night at the Roxbury, and Joe Dirt. I l- Joe Dirt, yeah. Well, Joe Dirt was when we were in college. We were in college or high school? No, it was in high school. That was high school. High school. Okay, okay. okay. So the, the thing was was I think Wayne's World felt like this whole cultural thing that we were like in on. It was kind of like the first one. That it was like this thing, like oh, like because we inherited Star Wars, we in, we inherited Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah. things that came out. We were really too young to really un, uh, understand, but we're like ten years old when Wayne's World comes out, mm-hmm. and we're old enough to. I I remember I got the majority of the jokes. The one joke <laughs> that I didn't really get was when he had the cards, and it says, "This guy blows goats." I have proof. I didn't get it, and my mom was laughing so hard. I'm like, why? And she just goes, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. And T- um, today, today during the Age of Ultron opening scene where they're having the party upstairs in the Avengers Tower, and Ultron comes in. Yeah, yeah. They're all lifting Thor's hammer, or they're trying to, and yeah. Clint Barton goes over, you know, Hawkeye goes to lift it, and, uh, and what's his name? Iron Man, Tony Stark goes... Yeah, you know, uh, some people have difficulty getting it up. Uh, there's some pills you could take. Or so, you know, he makes this off-color uh, thing, and I thought it was so funny. And my kids looked at me, and they go, why are you laughing? And I was like, I'm not. I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not today. Yeah. I wrecked yeah. out this um, one, too. So then uh, somehow my 
Aaron Gary. Oh no, my wife just said in the chat, wait, did you not have your shirt on for a bit? <laughs> because that's how it started. I hope the image for our live stream <laughs> is you shirtless. Oh, oh my god. She's gonna be so mad. <laughs> She's gonna be so mad about that. I would love it if you just hear like boom, 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 <laughs> her coming up. I'm like, I gotta go. It's it's like you're back in high school again. Okay, so the, the um yeah, Wayne's thing World. about Tommy Boy though. Mm-hmm. Was that was the first one I felt like that was ours mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that wasn't as big until it came out on, on the DVD and on, on VHS. But I I think as a kid, even though because I really didn't realize until I was an adult how much Wayne's World had impacted my like what I what I think is funny. Yeah, but it was Tommy Boy that we quoted at nauseum, <laughs> and I think it was the first one that I'm not trying to say that other people didn't really like it, older like people. But I'm saying it was one that felt like it was ours. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a generational defining pop culture movie. Oh my gosh! Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And it, so it, for me, it's actually kind of an important movie. Yeah, because I think it's when I it was the first one. I'm like, oh, like this is mine. I think this is so. Yeah. I'm going to be quoting this for the rest of my life. This is so funny. So there's this thing that you do as a human person who has the maturity of a, like a sixth grader is you constantly have this hilariously wildly inappropriate dialogue in the back of your head at all times. And I was at a fundraising dinner. And I knew a lot of the people there, and a lot of people that I knew, I've known for years, since I was in high school. And I wanted to walk up at that fundraising dinner and be like, Jim, I lost my virginity to your daughter. John, you were there, <laughs> you know, which is the end scene of Tommy <laughs> Boy. And I, I had that in the back of my head over and over. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. Virtue will win. <laughs> Virtue. <laughs> oh, my God. Not here. We're here, but right in here. Nope. Oh, uh, uh, nothing, huh? Geez, son, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> oh, my God. I laughed so hard when he was like, uh, <laughs> when he just, oh, I know this is so bad. And it's fun, it's fun watching Parks and Rec and seeing, uh, what's his name? Rob Lowe? What, is that his name? Oh, yeah. I love the, Rob, Rob yeah, Lowe. Yeah. He's yeah. so funny. Screw you. Screw all of you. It's my favorite line of Tommy Boy, the one that makes me like I'm laugh the hardest, is when he's peeing on the side of the road and David Spade starts to drive off. He goes, "I got my thing caught my zipper and pistol over my pants." Like <laughs> and you could tell they dubbed that in later. Oh yeah, know, but it's so was, perfect. It really was. Well, it and really then was. the the other line that as a kid I thought was so funny that I still do. And he goes, "Richard, who's your favorite little Ralph, little rascal, Alfalfa or Spanky?" And he goes, "Shut up, man." He goes. Sinner, like that. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> oh, that was so awesome! Oh man, I would love to have the priest that that grew up with a Catholic Farley, with Catholic Farley, with Catholic. Chris Farley on the podcast. <laughs> I met the a deacon who was close to his family that was at his parish, and I said, and he told a cool story story about Chris Farley, and I, I went up to the youth minister afterwards. And I was like, man, that was a cool story. And he's like, I've heard it a million times. It is old, and none of the kids in youth group know who Chris Farley is. And I was like. <laughs> <gasps> but it was beautiful. What is the worst movie ever made, Luke? Okay, so Aaron and I, back in 2014, went and saw th- this World War II film about, it was, I think it was a Polish film or it took place in Poland, and it was awful. One of the worst movies I have ever seen. 
We actually left the movie theater. It was so bad. It was so, so bad. So What bad. made it so bad? I don't remember. I remember, like, this sucks. It was so boring. Just uh. so boring. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a really bad movie that I cannot, you know. I um, have one movie. What about you? That what is, is my all-time worst movie that I ever saw. You know me. I love science fiction, whether it's books or movies. Every time a sci-fi movie comes out, I'm super excited to see it because I want sci-fi to be on the big screen. And I knew this movie had a lot of baggage, Luke. It had a lot of baggage. Everyone's telling me it's going to be crap because of its source. Wait, can it? Can I guess? Please. Battlefield Earth. It is considered to be... One of the, if not the worst movies of all time. And I will say it is so. You went and saw Battlefield Earth. It is so. Well, I like John Most Travolta. people don't know what that is. Can you explain to all the kids? Battlefield Earth is an actual movie. Or a, it was originally a book that was written by L. Ron Hubbard, Ooh. the founder of Scientology. Which is a. And it was cult. <laughs> and it was one of his. Uh, it was one of his like legit. I'm going to write some science fiction, not this weird Dianetics crap stuff that he did. Um, and it is so terrible and so stupid. And they made it into a movie, and the movie was going so poorly. I mean, people knew it was going to bomb. I believe the story was John Travolta gave up his salary to see this, and he was one of the alien evil villains, to see it through. And it was so terrible. I remember watching this movie. I, don't know, I was probably 16, 17 and just being like, what? Why? Like, it's not one of those movies that's so bad it's good. Like, it, it passes through. It's so terrible and nonsensical and wrong. <laughs> it was, it was, it's the worst movie of all time. I did not get any enjoyment out of it. Was that the first um, movie that you ever saw in the theater and you can go, oh, wait, this is bad? It probably was. Like, it like probably this is was. Actually, for me, that was Batman and Robin. Because I yeah. love Batman Forever, and I yeah. know some people will say it's bad. I haven't gone back and, and watched. Is that in Tommy years. Lee Jones and and yeah, yeah, yep. Jim Carrey and okay. the weird spandex uh, uh, Riddler outfit and all of the bat nipples and all of it? Um, but the great, but the seal song. I was the perfect Ooh, age. I yeah. compare you to a kiss, kiss from a rose on the, the grave. grave. Ooh, Ooh, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Yeah. Now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the grave. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So, anyways. Uh, Every time I uh, sing a song, Luke sings over me. It's fine. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. No, no, no I thought we were going to do a duet and then you quit. Well, because you were singing over me. Sorry, I'm a little ooh, bit much. Ooh, I compare you to a kiss. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, ooh. Okay, so uh, Batman and Robin. I remember being in the theater. So I was the perfect age for um, uh, Batman Forever, where it's just like, I'm 13. This is awesome. This is who it's for. I saw Batman and Robin. I think I was 15 or so, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, just, I was That's so That's the one mad. with Alicia Silverstone that made. Yeah, yeah, who I loved. Do you remember? Oh, she was. I hated her. Why did you hate her? She sounds like heaven uh, an idiot. She's I cannot wonderful. Stand, stand the sound of her voice. Now, as an adult, she she's into birding. She chews her kids' food and spits it into their mouth. <laughs> she's insane. People need to tell celebrities you're insane, but they won't because they're hot. Um, yeah. No, but that Stop movie singing. Imagine it's very rude. Yeah. Uh, the 
only celebrities singing this feel good, doing an attempt to make a feel good thing could ruin a John Lennon song. Um, no, but that that I, I 100% agree with you. I used to go every year, every two years, with a specific group of people. Eric Rawson, his sister Tracy, their cousin Angela. We would go see the Batman movies the weekend that they would come out. The first Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin. Wait, how old were you during the first Batman? Really young. Should not have gone to the movie theater. <laughs> Definitely was terrified by Joker I went, uh, poisoning I went people's face holes and stuff. to the drive-in, yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in kindergarten. <laughs> when she takes off that mask and her face oh, is all, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hold it together, man. Know. It makes You're, no sense. Eric Rossin watches horror movies. I got to keep it together. He's mature. <laughs> like, a kindergarten should not, a kindergartner should not be watching a Tim Burton film. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely, and I saw uh, Edward Scissorhands about the same time. Um, but I remember watching that movie and just being like, like the one with the the Riddler and stuff, I thought was funny. It, but it felt like way over the top, but I thought it was funny. And then when they had Alicia Silverstone, all that stuff, I was like, this is so, it's not even funny. Like, it's it's horrible. Yeah, so that's up there. That, that's where they had the back credit card, George Clooney, yeah. never leave home without it. And I was yeah. like, what the f- yeah, it was. I was just like, Ugh. you never leave the cave without it, or whatever he says. So awful. Uh, a bad film can really, um, it can um, ruin a franchise because there wasn't. It was basically ten years before they did another. Um, Let's hope movie. it ruins Birds of Prey. What is one movie you can watch over and over again? Is that Tommy Boy for you? I would say Tommy Boy, Goodfellas, The Godfather, and Iron Man. Oh, okay. That's cool. I mean, definitely Godfather's my favorite. Godfather 2, I think I, I might even oh, love that more one than too. one. That's so good. I think that's so the best good. one ever. Or the Godfather saga where they weave them both together. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would, but I need to try it again. Yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked, I watched it with freaking commercials. It was seven hours long on, like, TBS. Oh, it was painful. If, what would you rather fight, a 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? We've gotten this uh, um, topic before. We so have. We've had some time to stop and think. Mm-hmm. I think one horse-sized duck. Okay, I, I'm the opposite. I'm the, okay the, if they wear me out because I think 100 is going to exhaust a person trying to fight them if they're all like mad as hell and they're coming at you. 100, hor- 100 duck-sized horses. But here's the deal. They are. They are. But you just jump on the middle of their backs. You crack their backs in half, and you move on. I think I can stomp 100 times. If they're trying to fight you, they're going to, like, bite your butt and stuff. It's going to hurt, man. Yeah, but they're the size of a duck. They they can barely hurt. It's going to, like, think. I got long legs. It's it's not going to go well. It is not going to go well. And what about a giant horse-sized duck? You take a shotgun, and you just pray to God that you can make it worth. You get a, we get a. No, you just uh, need bare hands and feet and boots. You can wear heavy boots. I think I would still do the one horse size duck. Man, That'd I don't be know. Terrifying. One man. bite, they take off your head. Affleck. <laughs> That's not a duck, <laughs> but whatever. No more Luke. <laughs> no more Luke. I get all the money except for the advertising money. Damn it, loophole. Also known as a loophole. 
Mm-hmm. We don't want to call Luke Holt. Hey, uh, did you text your wife? Did you smooth things over? I did. So everyone in the chat saw this. Aaron had a thing that said uh, she just joined it where she said, wait, did you not have a shirt on for a bit? Jason, thank you and so then, much for dropping that into our Skype chat. Yeah. And then so she sent me a text with a screenshot of this that she said, so no shirt, huh? Question mark. And I said, I need to blow off some steam. And then she did the little like uh, hand against the face thing with a, uh, a laughing and a crying e- um, e- emoji. So hopefully she's not too angry about that. She'll be able to yeah. probably a little bit. but Your Mount Rushmore of actors and actresses. Tom, Tom Cruise. Wow. Okay. I, I just think, listen, hey, Tom fine. Cruise. I'm not going to knock it. I'm, that's fine. He, he just, I like Tom Cruise. Um, Harrison Ford. Oh, this is hard, man. This is hard. Who 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 would be yours? Uh, actors. I'll go actors first. Denzel Washington, always number one. Yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks, number two. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I have to say because of the event, uh, Marvel movies, Robert Downey Jr. has won me over. He's my number three. I, I how many people really are enjoy on Mount movie. Rushmore? Is it is it four or, or oh? I five? guess it's four. I was gonna do four for uh, guys and four for actresses. Um. Oh man, who would my last one be? Probably, probably Harrison Ford. I really like Harrison Ford. I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen a ton that I think the actors are amazing. I'll go with See, Harrison I don't, Ford. I don't have a. I I used to have a favorite actors and stuff. I really don't anymore, yeah. mostly because I just don't respect actors at all. Yeah. Um. Turns out when Um, you can learn everything about their private life, you want to murder them. They're all horrible, horrible human (laughs) beings. Except for Tom Hanks. Um, I think I kind of agree. I think I'd have Tom Hanks, Al Pacino, Denzel Washington. And I think I would replace Harrison Ford with um, Adam Sandler. Because I think Adam Sandler has insane, uncut gems is incredible. What he does in that. It's an incredible film. It's incredible. I think Adam of Sandler. That's the only Shampoo was better. Conditioner was better. I think he's so good. Like, he can do that. He can do, like, <laughs> I mean, he's got one of the greatest lines in the film history where he goes, he called the shit poop. <laughs> That's true. And he, so and he said great. it with such gravitas. It really moved the heart. Yeah. It's so great. I just love Adam Sandler so much. Um, in terms of actresses, uh, again, I just don't have like an. I don't. Um, Who would be yours? Who would be my all-time actresses? Meryl Streep. I love Meryl Streep. No matter what Meryl Streep is in, Meryl yep, Streep is that character. I agree, Kate. That's one. Okay, uh, number two. I'm gonna say this just because of what looking at her act does to me. Okay. This woman, when she smiles, I'm like, <laughs> okay, who do you think, which one, uh, there are two women, I think, in Hollywood who are most famous for their unique smiles. Both of these Julia women. Julia Roberts. That's number one. Younger version, a younger one. I don't know. Is the next one. She's in some terrible movies that might, that might put up this wall of hostility. She now has her own master's class where she's teaching acting. I don't know who is it. What movie did I just see her in? Oh, what, Thor. Really, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. I did like Natalie, her a lot in high school. When she, so you have Natalie smiles. Portman. When she smiles, 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> she yeah, has. I did I, like her in amazing. high school. She's amazing. Now, I, I'm going to caveat this. I don't follow any actors' careers, actresses' careers. I don't go out. They're not my must-sees, but of all the people, that these are the, the people that I'm, I'm thinking of. Hmm, okay, so who who were your four? You had Meryl Streep. You had you had Natalie Portman. Do you uh, and Julia Roberts? Have Julia, like Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Do you have a fourth one? Uh, probably right now. I don't know. I don't know. You got to jog my memory, bro. I, I just wasn't. We've had this is okay. a movie episode. Yeah, okay. been nice. I'm fine. I'm nice. fine. <laughs> Let's get I our would, mind off of this crap. Yeah, exactly. I would have Meryl Streep on there. I would probably have I would have Sandra Bullock on there. I like her. I like Sandra Bullock a lot. Yeah, I just yeah. she does like that's why I would have like you know that's why I first said Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise does Tom Cruise better than anyone else can. That intense stare and then when he, he runs, it's great. His intensity is so good. Meryl Streep. Uh, I think I love Kathy Bates. I would put Kathy Bates up. There. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Kathy Bates is anything that she's in. I'm like this is this is going yeah. this is going to be good. She's just great. Um, and then who who would be my fourth one? Let me think of some of my more favorite movies. Um, a lot of dude movies. A lot of dude movies. Yeah, um, okay. probably showing that there need to be more parts for females. They are only ha- half of the population. Uh, let's think here. Okay, let me let me run through Man. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. No. Reese Witherspoon. No. Jennifer Lawrence. No. Angelina Jolie. Yes. No. Okay, I'm not going to lie. She was on my list. And I She's... think... I'm th- no, no, no. Not Angelina Jolie. I, I do enjoy Angelina Jolie. But uh, I'm going to say this next person. She was on my list, and I was hesitant, but I'm not hesitant anymore. She is going... She's my fourth. It is going to be Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I she's great. She's she, wonderful. She's got I, she great range. So insane range. Funny. Every Saturday Night Live show I listen to or I watch of her. Okay, find out who's won Best Actress for the past say ten years. Because I really want to. I want to give this like the, its proper due. I might change my guys as well. Multiple wins and nominations: Catherine Hepburn, Meryl Streep, Betty Davis, Ingrid Bergman, Jane Fonda, Elizabeth Taylor. Olivia de la Glenda Jackson, Jodie Foster, Sally Field, Vivian Lee, Frances McDormand, Louise She's Rainer, great. Hillary Swank. Frances McDormand's great. And, and, and that's over the past 10 years? No, no, no. Those are the multiple wins, multiple nominations. Kate Blanchett. But I love Kate Blanchett. I mean, I think she is awesome. Jennifer Lawrence, Charlotte Rampling. I don't know who that is. Swarcy Ronan, Isabella Hubert, Ruth Nega, Natalie Portman, Meryl Streep. Man, Sally Hawkins. Oh, oh, oh. It's magic, you know. Amy Adams, um, Sandra Bullock, Judy Dench. I like Judy Dench. She's pretty great. Judy Dench is good. Um, you know who I like? Kate Winslet. She was great in Eternal Sunshine. Viola Davis. I mean, in terms of pure acting chops, she's definitely she's definitely in the top top five. Yeah. Okay, so here's yeah. here's where I would land. Here are my five. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to have... Uh, is it five or is it four? Four. Kathy Bates. I'll have, like, Sandra Bullock. I will ha- have, like, Meryl Streep. 
and I will include Judy Dench. <laughs> nice. Uh, also, naked pictures of B. Arthur. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Love what movie? Girls. What movie? Well, that line was from. Oh, that's from Deadpool? No, Airheads. <laughs> Air- Airheads. That's actually a funny movie. That's yeah. a funny movie. They're trying to get off on the, uh, because they took over a radio station and had hostages, they wanted to get off on an insanity plea, so they came up with like a list of demands that would just make you insane. He's like, all right, I want naked pictures of B. Arthur, and that was in the um, previews the whole time, so that's why it's tattooed on my brain. All right, Luke, last question. You ready? Yep. Oh, 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 man, we did all of it. Yeah, no, we've done them all. No, we didn't do the, we didn't do the last one. Okay. If you have looked into it, what are your thoughts on the Enneagram? Yeah, the Enneagram, I have not looked into it. I don't care about stuff like that. It's like personality and leadership stuff. I yeah. just, I grow really weary of all of those things. The psychology, oh, like leadership and character. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, fine yeah. with a, a Myers Briggs and a DISC. DISC profile nailed me. Um, I loved it. Um, I'm a intuitive with dominant trends i like i love or not is, is it intuitive i'm an i i'm an i with a strong d i like it <laughs> i yeah i'm the same way i think i'm i think i'm all d very, yeah you are you're very yeah. yeah all d all the time all d all the time lots yep. of d yeah um, uh, so i don't i don't really have a lot of thoughts on it some people they like warn you about it in christian circles They're like oh it's the devil and then i was I listening to andy that. stanley talk and he was like on the Enneagram, I'm a... And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. I think there is a tendency to box yourself into that too much. And you know, yeah. it's like, this is who I am, and this is what I am. And I'm like, this is, okay, let's, like, relax here. Yeah. Um, but closing it, thoughts. It, closing closing thoughts for our good folks. What do you, what do you want to say to them? What message uh, do you want to blast out there, Luke? Thank you. Thank you for watching and really put your mental and your spiritual health of yourself and that of your family people that you are responsible for put your vocation first be willing to suffer it sucks i'm i'm with you i i'm failing like a whole bunch of this than i am you know doing it well but let's not try to like the answer isn't just to be numb so well that's unfortunate because our sponsor is novocaine (laughs) (laughs) actually i would like to thank our sponsors policy genius and CatholicSocial.media. Thank you to the good folks again at Policy Genius and CatholicSocial.media for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Luke. I am here with my good friend, Mark Pirro. Um, he's from Vegabond Missions. Say hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Sorry. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh. We're here to talk about a bit of just about like who um, Vega Bond Missions um, is, are, um, what you guys do. Um, and I just, I've been in love with your ministry ever since I first heard about it. Um, gosh, I think it was we were in college still back in the early aughts. Uh, so can, can you just tell everyone a bit about what you guys do? Yeah, so we are a nonprofit organization, and we do inner city youth ministry. Um, 
So, but our big thing is about like following the incarnational model of like what the, the model Jesus left us. Like he didn't like wait for people to come to him. He wasn't walking around, you know, town handing out flyers saying like, come to my talk, you know, like he went out where people were, he met them where they're at. He like invested in their lives. And like, that's where you saw transformation and evangelization happen. And so that's like our big thing is like, we go out on the streets where kids are at. And it's not like we set up a soapbox on a box court, like on a street corner and like preach, like we go out to meet kids where they're at, uh, invest in their lives, like develop friendships with them and allow like evangelization to happen that way. So like in a like five second nutshell, that's kind of like who we are, um, what we do, like, or what our, like our big focus is. And so we have branches, uh, in Steubenville, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Greenville, North Carolina, and Wichita, Kansas. Uh, and in every city that we're in. So like, for, for example, like Pittsburgh, we have four bases. So at every base and every city we are, we have like a, a youth center. Um, and so that's, a place where kids can come hang out after school, uh, until COVID-19 hit. Um, and it's just a safe place for kids to come. Cause, uh, a lot of the kids or most of the kids we work with, like their homes are like messy and, uh, just not a good place. So it's a safe place for them to come after school. It's an alternative for them to be like out running the streets. Um, it's a place where they can come get a snack. They can play video games. They, there's, we have pool tables and ping pong tables. It's, it's just a place where they can come and be a kid um, and just kind of get a break from the messiness of their lives. And it's also an opportunity for us when they come to get to know them better and to like invest in their lives. And, 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 um, so, uh, you were actually one of the early on the missionaries, right? Like, I don't think you were part of the first round, but you, you started back into what, back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. So, so yeah, 2007, I started, I was actually the first missionary. So I was the first missionary. Yeah. Wow. So I was a missionary. Yeah. I, uh, this is like my, I mean, I didn't found it or start it, but this is my baby. I was like the first, first full-time missionary. I was a missionary for 10 years, um, with, with the ministry. And now I am the director of recruitment. Nice. Uh, um, so, you know, we, we have a lot of people who listen, who are, um, who they, um, all youth ministers or they volunteer or they're like pretty familiar with, um, how that works. And so, uh, can you talk about a bit like when you say yours is an incarnational model from your experience, like what does that actually look like? Okay. Uh, yeah. So that means like we go, like we do have programming. Um, that's like a small part of what we do, but like by incarnational, I mean, we go out into the streets. So like, for instance, like I'll just use Steubenville for an example, cause that's where I served for most of my time. Like, um, our missionaries here in Steubenville, like twice a week, will go into the school, like at lunchtime and like have a chance to meet kids, to interact with kids they already know. Um, that means we go to, if kids that are involved, in our program, like play sports or do music or, or in theater, like we go to those events, we support them, we wait afterwards and we tell them like, great job. Uh, it means like on the weekends, we'll go and like pick up a couple kids, take them like to McDonald's or something and like just 
and like show that we care about like who they are, what's going on in their lives. Uh, on when we used to like on Wednesdays, like grill hot dogs right outside of the high school. And like, as kids were coming out, we just like hand out hot dogs to kids and like just get to know the kids in the high school. It's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rec center here in Soonville. We'll go down and like play basketball with people. We're just, wherever there's kids, like that's where we try to be so that we can, we can meet them and like start developing those relationships. Sure. And then, uh, can you talk a bit about like what, like the kids that you all minister to, um, what's like, what's their life like? Like if you have like a typical, teen can you describe like what is that teen like what is their day-to-day existence like so we always like are we used to always joke that like we get like the gangsters and the smelly kids uh so it's like (laughs) so it's just it's the kids that like in a lot of ways that society has like written off or the, the the kids that like no one wants to like deal with. So it's like the, the, the lost, the forgotten, the outcast. And so, uh, I mean, when I was, I'm, in like, sh- I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to interrupt a bit. And uh, um, when you say gangster, you're like, not kidding. Right. Like, it's not like a, yeah, no, style. no. I mean, yeah. there, there, there have been actual kids who are in actual gangs that have been, have been involved in our ministry. Um, and that's, that can, that's fun to navigate sometimes, especially when you have kids from like rival gangs that are coming to tonight. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. But, but I mean, God is so much bigger than all that. And he's always like protected us. And thank God we haven't had any like major incidents. Um, but the kids that we do work with, like I said, like when I was a missionary, I could count on one hand the number of kids we worked with who lived in a home with both their parents. So, I mean, when you're when you're working in like inner cities and with poverty, like you you deal with the typical problems of like inner city and poverty. So broken homes, uh, neglect, abuse, uh, substance abuse, gang uh, activity drugs, I think I might already uh, mentioned, and then like, um, just violence. So like, that's kind of the background, the, the majority of the kids that we work with, like, that's what they're encountering on a day-to-day basis. And there's a real sense of just like hopelessness. in I feel like in the inner city. And are a lot of these kids, are they Catholic already? Is it kind of a mix? Is it so I would say the majority, like 99.9% of the kids we work with are not Catholic and almost the same percentage are like just totally unchurched, like have never heard about Jesus or like God, the father, anything like that. They're just, um, totally unchurched kids. Um, and I'm on your guys' mailing list and I, uh, I think that it's like kind of obvious that over the years, you all have had like large conversions, like large amounts of groups and stuff. Uh, could you talk a bit, a bit about that? Yeah. So, um, we've had, um, I don't know the specific number off the top of my head, but we've had over a hundred kids in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years come into the church. Um, and so that's like a slow process. It's also like, uh, a process that seems to like you take one or two steps forward with a kid and then like, it's like five or six steps back. And yeah. so it's, it really is like, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint to like, 
all those cliches, like they're true with our ministry and the way we measure success um, really differs, I think, from uh, other ministries. It's like if we can get a kid to like stop smoking weed, like that's a success for us. If we can get a kid who like a, a girl who's pregnant and like not have an abortion, like that's a success for us. Um I mean, ultimately, yeah, like if we have a kid who decides to like they want to be baptized and come to the Catholic Church, like that's that's awesome. But it does it doesn't like end there. Like you continue to walk with them. So I want to ask you one question really quick, and then I want to go into a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay, Uh, could you just like what and like you, you, uh, you don't have to go too deep into this. So this is like a practice um rapid fire question. Okay. What is the craziest conversion story? So one of the coolest uh, conversion stories uh, that we've had that like I love um, the story of this kid named John who like he and his two brothers, um, he was like the middle of the three brothers that have come and they're all like within nine months of each other. So like the oldest is nine months older than the middle. Holy cow. Who's nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wasted no time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but uh, he was just like a punk, like super hard kid. Like when we first met him and like, and, and, he, and when you say that, like, what does that look like? Like just um, like always had like a mean mug on his face. Like he looked like he was going to like, he could like lash out at you at any moment. Like, uh, like he wanted to hurt you and, uh, and was just super sarcastic and like would just roast people. Like it was, he was super funny. Like I had like, I had to like watch myself because like some of the things he said would be like so terrible and mean, but like really funny. (laughs) And I, but I like immediately saw through that because I was like, not that I'm like this super hard, like gangster, but like I could see, like I use humor as like a defense mechanism and like, and I was just like, this kid is like really hurting inside. And so like we walked with him for, I think it was like almost his whole high school career. He went on like leadership retreats out to California. He's, he went to like Steubenville conferences. He eventually like came into the church. Uh, he graduated high school, which is like a huge thing. Uh, he went on to serve in the Navy for, I think, four, six years. Um, but the coolest thing for me was that, like, after he got out of the Navy, he came back to Steubenville um, and became a police officer because he, like, wanted to make a difference in his community. And he, like, had realized how much he had been given and he wanted to give back and he wanted to make a difference in his community. And that's kind of like when we first started this, like, that was kind of our vision to, like, transform like cities from the inside out. Um, and like to see that start to happen, like it's super cool. And, and his background, like his family situation was just like, just so terrible. Like the stories he would tell us about just the, like his mom and her addictions and like the physical and mental abuse he endured, like the fact that he is like still alive or the fact that like he made it out, like is remarkable. It's really like only by the grace of God. Now I wish I could say like his life is like perfect now and he's like a perfect practicing like Catholic. Unfortunately that's like not the case. I just like, I just saw him 
a few days ago, I helped him like move a hot tub into his backyard, but, uh, but he's still in my mind, like a success. And he's still, he's, yeah. he still had, has had conversion. I, his, his heart has been transformed. He's a different, he's a much different person than he was like when we first met him. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. That is great. What's one name, one good trait of a, of a Omega bonds mission commissioner. They love the Lord. Uh, name one bad trait. They are not, they procrastinate. <laughs> nice. I'm oh, sorry. And I don't mean like bad trait as in, sorry, I should have clarified. Like, like what's one thing you're like, Oh, this is like, Oh, one thing that's like, hurts. yeah. Um, I, I don't mean like anyone specific. I just mean like, so like a tough thing about being a vagabond missionary? No, just 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 as in, hey, here's like a hard part. I mean, listen, all of the youth ministers pro pro crap yeah. because they're lazy. Um, yeah. What uh, besides like Brad Bursa, everyone else is unlazy come compared to him. It's so annoying. I'm like, could you stop for five <laughs> minutes? You're making me look bad. Yeah. Um. Okay, sorry. Uh, like, what's one, you know, if, if like, ooh, we can always tell, you know, if, if like, you have a missioner who, you know, doesn't work on, um, who doesn't work on this or has, like, this is a challenge, like, you know it's not going to work. Um, be, like, if they get too comfortable. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because, I mean, contact work, like, going out and reaching out to kids, especially if you're not super familiar like it, it'll push you, it'll stretch you, but, uh, it's, it's so rewarding. Nice. Good. Good. Uh, what's, um, the craziest like thing you've ever been in? Like, like you've ever like had a moment in ministry where you're like, how am I here? What's going, how is this happening? What was that moment? We were just like, what is going on here? Why am I here? I should probably go. Uh, Oh, it's probably so a bad thing. Uh, I mean, we had a retreat one time where an absolute like just melee broke out and it was like a mob fight. <laughs> and I found myself I found myself in the middle of it, like trying to break it up. <laughs> Although at the end of it, at the end of it, I didn't feel like I should quit. I just was like, what oh, yeah, yeah. is going on? Weird. Like, yeah. 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 What's the best thing about your job? The the people I work with, uh, the the missionaries and I mean, not so much anymore, unfortunately, but the kids we work with are they're so challenging, but they're like they're so beautiful in their own way. Nice. As, as in, like, you don't have a lot of contact with with like the teens that you work with anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, I've uh, I've moved on. How, how many current missionaries do you guys have right now? Sorry, I always say a missionaries because that's what we call them over. um at Glen Mary, both are acceptable. How many missionaries do you guys have right now? We have, I believe, twenty-five. You guys have twenty-five now. Yeah, I That's think fantastic. so. Fantastic. And then, how yeah. many do you guys need for this upcoming year? We're looking to hire, I think, like somewhere between fifteen and twenty. Cool. And so, if, uh, if people are interested in doing that, where can, like, how can they get a hold of you? They can go to vagabondmissions.com slash apply. They can email me at mark at vagabondmissions.com or they can call me at 518-522-9792.
Nice. That's awesome. Well, hey, Mark, uh, this has been great. I really, I cannot emphasize enough how much I love the work that you guys do. And I think everyone um, should should just, um, how do I put this? I really think people should try to be a part of it. I really think it's a thing that if you're feeling like you're called to missionary, uh, to missionary work, uh, this is the real deal. This is the real, real deal here. And it's something within our own country, which, again, I don't think I don't I don't think like foreign missions are bad by any means. They're actually incredibly important. But this is just such a yeah. this is a great way to really love your neighbor. And um, you guys are on the f- like front line of um, of ministry. And I wish more people uh, like you guys have been around for what, like t- 10 years now? Uh, 14 14 good yeah i remember when we first um, moved into that office downtown we missed yeah. oh the fortune yeah crazy yeah i just think uh, what you guys do is so good and so important and um i'm just happy to be able to um, talk with you about it so thanks man yeah i appreciate you giving us the the time to come and yeah talk about it and i agree with you i think if people are feeling called they should come check us out it's such a rewarding uh tough beautiful awesome thing cool and then um i don't i um can't remember if you brought this up when i told you how to how to get a hold of you um what's your guys's website vagabondmissions.com vagabondmissions.com go there um right now if you if you if um you know if god has put it on your heart during this time to perhaps you know go in to missionary work this is absolutely a group that you at the very least just want to connect with so cool thanks man thanks luke thanks luke thanks gomer yeah he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't matter